C.C. Michael, host of All Things Alberta, the podcast that knows that Alberta will be better off on our own, and we really don't care what people east of Saskatchewan thinks about it. Let's get after it. Welcome once again to uh, All Things Alberta. Actually, this is the C.C. Michael Show on the All Things Alberta Network. I'm still not used to saying that, but, uh, you know, we're trying. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, today, uh, I, I managed to uh, get a, uh, a guest. Uh, I'm going to, in a few minutes, be inviting Michael Wagner, author of Alberta Separatism Then and Now. Uh, Michael has... Uh, been very gracious with his time and he's going to be joining us in just a few minutes after I invite him on uh, on Zoom here. So yeah, uh, it's going to be great. Um, the book was uh, entertaining and I don't know, overall there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues. There's a lot of things that, that uh, um, we need to discuss. As I'm sitting here looking into my microphone, I'm seeing that, that my, my sweater, we have a fireplace and uh and we love to have fires especially in the morning it's cold in the house and whatnot so i fired up but i cut down the sappiest spruce tree i think i've ever seen uh and and every time i go out i my arm gets just absolutely covered as you could probably see my arm gets covered in tree sap and so that's that's what that is and i don't care enough to actually change my change my sweater uh for you the viewer that uh I'm sure you, you you don't care, neither do I. As we are talking about Alberta separatism, well, before we get into that, let me just give a few updates. Um, the Alberta, All Things Alberta Network is growing. Uh, as you may be already aware, Dave Bjorkman has come on board uh, sharing his stuff. Basically, I want I to update people about how that works. Dave Bjorkman's been putting out a lot of videos for a long time on uh, both YouTube and and Facebook. Most of the stuff that he he sends out is via Facebook Live. Um, one of the major reasons why I wanted to get Dave to agree to to sharing his stuff on All Things Alberta is is because there's lots of people that that aren't on Facebook. And so um, while he does have a, a decent following on Facebook, Facebook Live, he has been running into issues with regards to Facebook kind of holding off his videos for a while till they fact check him and, and the rest of that uh, tech, what do you call that? Technology totalitarianism that's going on. Uh, sometimes I've even found when I'm, when I'm looking for his videos, when I'm trying to pull his videos from YouTube, uh, or not YouTube, but uh, Facebook, that the videos aren't available. Uh, and so it's, it's annoying. I do believe that now that uh, Biden and uh, Harris, our president, vice president of the U.S., along with, uh, of course, we still have our own, our own lefty Trudeau, um, who is who has been making a lot of noise with regards to uh, content being found on the internet, especially on social media. That uh, stuff like Dave's, it, it's going to be anything that goes against the the popular narrative, um, is is going to be. Uh, if not outright banned, severely dialed back. And so we're trying to capture his stuff and, and put it on. So I do know that uh, one of my listeners uh, uh, got a hold of me and asked, asked about uh, 
Dave in the fact that uh, he, he's, what was his words? He said he feels like um, he's kind of walked into the middle of a conversation and he's not really sure of the context and whatnot. And granted, that that is true. Um, one of the things that um, uh, Dave's been fighting the good fight for a, a number of years now, and uh, and it's uh, it, it's kind of like watching a movie, I guess. And you've you've walked into the middle of the movie, and I, and I've given you a brief introduction as far as as what Dave's story is and and the sort of stuff he's talking about. But there is going to be some uh, catch up that's required. Uh, patience. He will get to some of the stuff that uh, some of you listeners are are asking for. Uh, he will get to it, which is good news. And uh, so, yeah, uh, be patient. It'll start making sense the more and more you listen. Um, I'm not going to be pulling all of the stuff from from Dave's Facebook account because um, I, my editor charges me every time I every time I do that, and uh, I'm not made of money. So uh, I do try to keep an eye on Dave's stuff every day and uh, pull the stuff that I think is, is uh, vital to the story, so to speak. So there is that. Uh, we still have uh, Ryan McMillan, who's contributing to the network. He just get, uh, sent out a show a couple days ago. Uh, I was on there. Not that that should be any incentive for, for you guys to uh, listen to it, because uh, you, know, you get to listen to me anytime. But uh, So we've got Ryan on the show. We've also got... Uh, uh, I'm in. I'm in talks with another another gentleman, uh, Justin. He has been on the show before, but uh, his isn't going to be pol uh, politically motivated for the most part. Um, he's looking at. I should probably just get him uh, to to come on for an interview and uh, and ask him exactly what he's doing. He is huge into the Alberta games, uh, the the Highland Games. So he's a competitor in the Highland Games, and he wants to uh, uh, podcast specifically about Highland Games sort of stuff. So uh, that is in the works. I'm looking forward to having uh, Justin on board as well. Uh, the All Things Alberta Network is slowly filling up. So um, I'm in the middle of chatting, not really chatting, but uh, as usual, whenever you open social media, you can you can uh, end up in an, in a uh, let's just call it a, a discussion and it, as usual this is the sort of this is the sort of stuff that that just drives me crazy um so somebody it looks like rob dell uh did a poll on twitter and the poll basically was asking if there was a legal and practical path to leaving canada how would you vote uh, yes, in an instant. Yes, after debate, I could be convinced and not likely never. I mean, the good news is, is that 70% uh, said yes in an instant, uh, but there are only seven, 970 votes. I've done this before. Uh, I, I've had in the thousands, I've had six, 7,000 people reply. Um, and, and again, I had overwhelming support, but at the same time, um, it, it's, still a, it's still a small sample size. One Jade Lavalie just shouts out, separate to do what? We would still be landlocked. Good luck getting a pipeline through a different country. So dumb. And I've addressed this stuff before. And it's frustrating because you can tell people like Jade have not looked into any research. They haven't done any research into the viability of a uh, separate Alberta and what that would mean. And, 
and this is the sort of stuff that um, just drives people like myself crazy. I'm just going to get a hold of Michael here and tell him. Oh, there he is. Hello, Mr. Wagner. Can you hear me? I'm doing very, very well. Thank you. I, uh, I started the show 10 minutes ago just to kind of give a brief update as far as everything that's going on. And I warned people you were coming. So uh, here you are. I, uh, first of all, Mr. Wagner, I want to thank you for your time um, and uh, agreeing to come on our podcast so we can talk about your book, Alberta Separatism Then and Now. Uh, as I've shown it, I'll show it once, I'll show it again. The only thing I'm upset about, Michael, is that you didn't sign it. I wanted oh, it signed. Yes. <laughs> Maybe someday we'll meet and I'll be able to sign it. Or exactly. <laughs> uh, my first question for you is, when are you going to have uh, the second edition out? Well, um, my thinking was that if I was going to continue writing about separatism, I'd rather do a, another book. Like... Uh, there's there's enough um, material like there's not so much more historical material per se because although there's been a lot of excitement about separatism in the last few year, few years there's not a lot that's really been accomplished in terms of um, you know like nobody was elected and and some of the groups there, there's still a lot of infighting and stuff so there really isn't a consolidated group although the Wild Rose Independence Party is getting close to that point but anyway my point is that the there isn't the same basis of history as I, as there was when I wrote that book but there is a lot of other information I mean that the the recent history is is pertinent, but um, just in the continued research I've done, I think I could do more of a book with more advocacy, like explaining more of the reasons, um, especially what I'd like to focus on is how Alberta is different from a, culturally from the rest of Canada. Like um, most of the impetus for separatism all along has always been economic. Um, you know, people are concerned about what the federal government is doing to shut down the oil industry, and that will always probably be the main impetus. But um, but in Quebec, the main emphasis has been like cultural and linguistic. Now, of course, Alberta has no linguistic differences from uh, English-speaking Canada, but Alberta is different to some degree culturally. And so I'm, I've been trying to develop that in some of the columns I've written for the Western Standard, for example. And so uh, a follow-up book for me would focus more on Alberta's distinctiveness as well as, um, you know, more of the recent separatist history. Um Fantastic. Well, I hope you write that book because uh, it's it's needed. Um, one of the fascinating things I've been a I've been a I, I call myself a closet separatist for the last twenty five years since I was in university back in my university of Lethbridge days. Uh, our our separatist um, club, uh, in order to not sound so separatist, uh, we ended up being the Pilsner Club of the University of Lethbridge, uh, where where we uh, pretended that we were interested in the historical uh, brewing of, uh, of beer in Lethbridge uh, to get around the university's uh, rules and guidelines. And because uh, you weren't allowed drinking clubs, so we had, to, we had to throw a historical sort of spin on it and it was allowed. But it, our, our Pilsner club involved drinking a lot of Pilsner while we discussed Western separatism. And so that was, that was kind of my introduction to separation. Um, and, and here's what I, I thought, and until I read your book, here, here, here was my thinking, um, that historically speaking, Alberta separation was always kind of a fringe, a fringe thing. And that over the last 25 years, up to the present, now we've got, now we've got the, the uh, what would you call it? Uh, more than ever, we've now got 
the popular support or more popular support behind the movement and now all we have to do is XYZ. And I want to talk to you about what those XYZs are, but after reading your book, I, I, I was way off, wasn't I? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, there was, there has been, um, organized Alberta separatist organizations since the early 1970s. I mean, basically, as I've mentioned there in passing in the book, Pierre Trudeau is the father of Alberta separatism. There was really no organized Alberta separatism until Pierre Trudeau became prime minister. Then there were small organizations in the 1970s. Like, even though they were small, though, some of the people involved were very significant people, like oil men and lawyers and such. Um, but what really caused the separatist movement to take off was the re-election of Pierre Trudeau in 1980, and then his, shortly afterwards, the implementation of the National Energy Program. That outraged so many Albertans, and that caused, you know, the, the largest separatist meeting in history in Alberta happened shortly after that, and there's disputes about how many people were there, but it's certainly the lowest number I saw was 2,700, and that was here in Edmonton. Right. There were, and there were large meetings of hundreds and even, you know, a thousand people all across Alberta. Uh, an organization called WestFed was created by Elmer Knudsen, an Edmonton businessman, and another organization, Western Canada Concept, um, was formed originally by a, a BC lawyer named Douglas Christie, but he ended up leaving the Alberta branch very soon afterwards. And so when the Alberta branch became very popular and elected a candidate, Douglas Christie was no longer a, a part of that particular organization. It's, it's the same name as the organization he had in BC, but a different organization. But the, yeah, I mean, in, in February of 1982, in a by-election, a separatist candidate was elected, um, and that party, you know, the Western Canada Concept Party that, that uh, won that uh, by-election, they exploded in, their, in terms of their membership numbers and their support. And so it could have gone really big. Um, the unfortunate thing was in the ensuing months, as the party was growing, uh, there was a lot of party infighting as well. And that kind of detracted from the appeal that the party had to the public. And then Peter Lockheed, who was very smart, um, called a, a, an early provincial election to cut off the WCC before it could get properly organized. And, and so he won that um, but it's like 75 out of 79 seats and the WCC lost their one seat, even though it, the party got almost 12% of the popular vote. Um, but, but it was very big in those days, the Alberta separatist movement, probably bigger than it is right now, I would imagine. Well, that was my next, there, there's, Michael, there's so many questions that I have and I'm trying to weave this all together in a way that will make sense, but, but uh, that's not how my brain normally works. So probably we're going to chase rabbit trails all over the place. So while we're on that topic, um, that was my next question was are where are we today with regards to popularity for separation as opposed to its peak in 1980 i, I think you had another another peak in there was it 87 that you kind of yeah, said there was yeah. another peak that's right i mean like the the period like uh, national energy program was um uh announced in, in October of 1980. So from that point until uh, 1982, until the provincial election in October, or no, sorry, November of 1982, that would be the kind of the, the real strong point of separatism then. And then the party kind of dissipated after that because of the provincial election loss in 1982. But um, by the mid to late 1980s, of course, uh, Pierre Trudeau resigned early in 1984, and then John Turner took over, mm -hmm. and there was an election in the fall, I think September of 1984, and Mulroney won. Because Mulroney won with the Progressive Conservatives, and, and Alberta voted overwhelmingly for Mulroney. Yeah. I think there was a sense in Alberta that, okay, our guy is in now, it's going to be okay. But Mulroney wasn't as favorable to Alberta as people expected him to be. So already, it was 1986, just two years later, you know, the CF-18 contract, mm -hmm. that a Winnipeg company had won that contract, and yet the government gave it to a Montreal 
um, company because of the strong uh, support for Quebec in you know in the, the caucus, the Progressive Conservative caucus, federal caucus under Mulroney was um, there was they had most of the Quebec MPs, and of course Mulroney was a Quebec MP himself. So they you know they really shafted the West there, and that really um, caused another rise in support for Western separatism. And so in 1987 there was a by-election in a rural Alberta riding, and the WCC didn't win, but they came a strong second. Well, like it was strong in the sense it was way ahead of the other opposition party. So it looked like the WCC was coming back. But the other important historical factor by that time, though, was Preston Manning was starting to build the Reform Party That's right. um, as a federal party to represent the West in Ottawa. And one of his stated aims was he wanted to absorb the separatist movement. Like he he realized that Western alienation was legitimate, but he thought that separation was too extreme. And he thought that if he had a credible federal party, you know, to, that would bring the West in, um, that the separatists would would go into his party and they would work to build a stronger Canada rather than to take Alberta out. And he was right about that. He like in the sense that the separatists, for the most part, they did end up joining the reform party. In fact, the last uh, leader of the Alberta WCC, Jack Ramsey became one of the reform party MPs from Camrose. Right. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, Preston Manning was right in the sense that he figured that a Western-based federal party would absorb the separatist movement, and that's actually kind of what put it to rest. After that, there wasn't much of a separatist movement in Alberta, really, until um, Justin Trudeau was elected in 2015. Actually, I, I think I've gone on a rabbit trail there myself. But. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's all good. So, would you? So, what would you say to the following statement? Um, because you, I think you even mentioned this in your book, which is why I said we need another chapter. You, you need to, you need to write one more chapter in here to, uh, to, to catch up to where we are today. Because you, in the end of the book, you're kind of not so much in the conclusion, but in the in the uh, chapter previous to the conclusion, uh, I, where you prognosticated a little bit about where, or maybe it was the conclusion, but in, regardless, where. Uh, you could see separation going or coming back if X, Y, and Z happens. And I would argue that X, Y, and Z have definitely happened, which is why we have the, the explosion. I, maybe it's not an explosion. I, I don't know what to call it. But here's what I'm hoping. And this is what I think you mentioned in the book somewhere, where we, we need a, uh, a less reactionary uh, movement, one that we're pissed off. And so we're going to, you know, take the emotions out of it. Where separation is really going to take off is when we stop reacting and we just quietly go about our business. And my question to you is that, yes, after Trudeau was elected in 2015, uh, it was it, Alberta separation was on the rise. But I would argue when he was reelected in 2019, that's when I couldn't believe it. Like for myself, after all of the scandal, after all of the garbage, after everything that Trudeau has done, I thought for sure that, that Alberta separation, the movement was going to explode. And I'm not sure it's happened. What I'm hoping has happened is that there's people like me and I, I want to be one of the quiet ones that just go about make educating people and making sure I, I don't want to be that angry guy that that uh, shows up at rallies and and uh, burns Trudeau in effigy uh, but is there do you think that there is a larger quieter group just going about our business or are we still just reactionary and we're we're well down the path of anything serious 
Um, well, I still think that most, like there, there is, when, they, when they've done surveys in the last couple of years, you know, they get anywhere from around 25 to 45% of the people favoring Alberta independence. But I think a lot of that, I'm afraid, is the reactionary um, impulse um, in reaction to Justin Trudeau. Um, and that's why, like, I think there needs to be a stronger cultural case made for separatism so that, uh, because as it is right now, separatism increases whenever there's a sinister government in Ottawa attacking Alberta, and then when there's a more favorable government, separatism decreases. So it, it's kind of like a roller coaster, depending yeah. on what's going on in Ottawa. So we need a, if, if the separatist movement is going to be a long-lasting and enduring movement, there needs to be a, a stronger basis for it than just the reaction to Ottawa. And that's why I was hoping that building a, a case for a more culturally uh, founded separatist movement that wouldn't be a roller coaster ride because you're basing it on history and culture and tradition something that doesn't go up and down the way that the economic situation does and the political situation does but I'm but I'm afraid right now that the majority of separatist support is that kind of up and down support I think most uh, Alberta separatists are actually they don't want to be separatists they're reluctant separatists they're, they're separatists because of what you know the federal government's doing yeah. and if the federal government would just be more reasonable you know, uh, the separatists wouldn't favor separatism. There's, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the separatists are actually the, are the deepest patriots, but they're just right. so concerned about what's going on in Ottawa. In fact, um, the Maverick Party itself, you know, has, I think it was on their main page or one of the pages says, we love Canada too. The Maverick Party says that, but we just don't think it can be fixed. And I think that's, that represents the sentiment of most separatists that they, they'd be, they would be happy to be Canadian if the government would treat us properly, which it doesn't, you know, because of the way things are set up. It's going to be a perpetual, like, it's not that the government's going to punish us every year, but it's going to punish us every so many years because yeah. the system is set up that um, it's going to, that's, that's the way the system works is the way to win power in uh, Ottawa and Toronto and Montreal is to attack Alberta. So so right. there's always the incentive for a federal party to um, disparage Alberta. So as long as we're part of this country, we're going to be feeling those waves of, 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 of attack from the east. Um, again, I'm afraid I just uh, digressed from your um, from what your question was, but there was something you mentioned uh, um, in the first part of your question about what I mentioned in the book. Like at the time I wrote the book, it was actually 2009. So Stephen Harper was prime minister. Right. There was no active separatist movement to be to 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 really mention. Um, like I had been a separatist in the early 80s. That's what was my introduction to politics. I was just a teenager. Um, and I was very interested in that up until the 90s. And then kind of the interest for me disappeared like it did for so many other people. So by the time I wrote the book, I wasn't actively a separatist anymore because, you know, Stephen Harper was the prime minister. There was no federal government attack on Alberta. You know, people were just generally speaking happy to a large degree with the federal government with Stephen Harper. But I mentioned in the book that once Stephen Harper is gone, I expected a separatist movement to revive because either the conservatives would get a new leader who wasn't from Alberta or the West. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think um, my internet is kicking out. Sorry about that. I don't yeah. know why it is. Okay, it's it is. Again here. <laughs> okay yeah. Um, right, once Stephen Harper was be, would be gone, the conservatives would get a new leader who I didn't expect to be as sympathetic to Alberta as him and or the liberals would be reelected and they would, you know, uh, with their normal anti-Alberta policies, that would lead to the revival of the separatist movement. So it, it made it even more accentuated when the liberal leader who got elected was last named Trudeau. Um, because his father had been the first one to dramatically attack Alberta. And of course, he's just carrying on his father's traditions. So um, so yeah, I, I did look forward to a time when separatism would revive. I didn't know how big it would get. Mm -hmm. And it has got very, you know, there's quite a bit of support, at least in the polls for it right now because of Justin Trudeau. I mean, the COVID thing has kind of put a damper on it because people are just trying to survive right now. They're not yeah. really paying attention as much to that. But I mean, of course, with that new carbon tax that he announced last week, um, once the COVID thing passes, I think there's a lot of potential for the separatist movement to get revived. And um, 
you know, it, what, it, what it needs is, is the organizations. I mean, there's so much division yet and there's no like kind of, there's no particular leader who has really emerged, you know, as the person who can um, pull the province together in that direction. That's something that's missing too. So there, uh, I guess I'll have a comment first because I, I, before I forget, I, I want to address the, the cultural thing. Now, um, I, I, I think most people would argue that Canada is pretty much the same except for one place called Quebec. Mm -hmm. Everywhere else is the same. Um, that is until they go and actually spend any amount of time somewhere else. Like you, you can fly to Toronto and, and you can spend a weekend in Toronto and you won't really notice much, but spend four months in Toronto and you'll, you'll start to notice that uh, we're not in Kansas anymore, Michael, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. and I've, I've done that myself as a young man. I went to, uh, I was in Northern Ontario. I worked the summer at one of the, uh, one of the lake, one of the lakes with the camps up in, in uh, Camp Tanamacoon was the name of the lake, but, uh, or the, was the name of the camp. And I spent four months up there and I was surrounded by, by uh, people from the greater Toronto area. And the guy I got along with the best was a guy from Cape Breton Island. Like him and I got on great. Everybody else was bloody weird. You know, like after a while I was just like, this, okay, we are different. And I, and I couldn't, even today, I can't explain to you how we're different, but we were different. And, and so there is definitely a cultural difference between Alberta and, and the rest. I would even say from Alberta to BC and spend any time in BC and you're like, you know, you feel like you fell off the turnip wagon. Now, I, I just wanted to make sure that I got that out there. But my question to you now, so anyway, I'm looking forward to your, to your book on, if you, if you write it, which I hope you do, because I'll, I'll buy it, but you have to sign the next one, um, is that as I'm reading your book, Alberta Separatism Then and Now, I was uh, a range of emotions, a range of emotions. Number one, I realized that I didn't know what the hell I was talking about when it came to the history of separatism. I knew some things. I, I didn't truly understand the Triple E Senate or why that was even a popular thing. I get it now after reading going, okay, well, that was, you know, I get it. Um, but the overwhelming thing as I was reading your book is that we in Alberta, especially in the separatist movement, haven't learned a damn thing. We are fighting today with the same issues that you've addressed in here. We're, we're spinning our wheels. We, we, keep, we keep resetting. And, and, and in my mind, we haven't learned anything. We keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. So are we making the same mistakes or, or is that just me? No, no, I think you're right. And part of that is the result of that up and down um, roller coaster uh, support that I've talked about because you know you have a you'll get set a, a separatist sentiment building you get organizations building then when the separate sentiment fades away the organizations go away so the next time there's separate separatist sentiment they got to start all over again with new organizations rebuild again and then the separatist sentiment goes away and the organizations go away so it's you're, you're describing something exactly as it is where we just keep going through the same thing over and over again because um, the support waxes and wanes and the organizations wax and wane um so uh, this is the pattern we're going to 
continue to have until we actually build a movement that's, that's consistent, that stays in place, so that when the support goes down, we still have a movement and people who are active. So the next time a wave of support comes, we've got something to begin with. Like we're not starting from scratch all over again. Now we've got, you know, an organization with people and, you know, speakers and people who can articulate the position. Um, so, so no, what, what you're describing there is exactly the case. And that's, I mean, a lot of the problems we face right now are, are the same things you'll read about in the book, you know. Exact same. Yeah. Um, let's start with, uh, there's, there's two super easy ones right off the, right off the hop. And maybe, maybe they're, they're, um, the same problem just in, in, you know, two sides of the same coin, maybe that is lack of leadership. Um, one of the reasons why I became a UCP member and, uh, was a big fan of Jason Kenny was because I thought if, if anyone understands Alberta's position in Confederation, it would be Jason Kenny. And that Jason Kenny, while talking about being a Federalist, that once he's our premier and he's fighting on behalf of Alberta, that he would, the hope was that he would go, okay, so we've done the whole tried, we've, we've tried to, to be nice, we've tried to do this, but it's not working. Therefore, I am now going to lead us out of Confederation. I have been completely wrong in, in uh, hoping. I, I put all my eggs in the wrong basket is what I'm saying. Wouldn't be the first time, probably not the last time. Um, but, but Kenny's not our champion, but we do need a champion. I would argue if we had a champion in 2019, if Stephen Harper put up his hand and said, enough's enough, I'm joining the separation side, I'm going to lead us out. I think there's your overwhelming majority right there. You'd get 60% of the province easy that would have said, let's do it. What do you think? You know, I, I think you're probably right. I mean, someone with the profile and, and with the widespread respect that Stephen Harper has, he could have done something very significant. And I think, like, looking back in history, it was only because of the, you know, Preston Manning, it was because of the Manning name across the province. That's was one of the bases for the building of the Reform Party. If it had been a person without, like, had no public profile trying to build a Reform Party, I think it would have been much more difficult. Yeah. But because Preston Manning had this profile that people around Alberta knew of him and were, like loved his father and were willing to go with that, same like with you mentioned with Stephen Harper, he's loved in Alberta. If he was to come forward, everything would fall in behind him. Like so many, like much of the province would fall in behind him. So it's a matter of having someone with that kind of profile and respect someone like that makes a huge difference in able, being able to build a movement. Like there, there's some really fine people in the separatist movement right now, yeah. but, but none of them have like the profile uh, and the, and the, none of them have like, like earned a public respect the way that some of these other fellows have. And like, it's nothing against them. That's just, you know, nope. that's just the way it is. But if someone with, with the existing profile and respect came forward, that could be a game changer actually for the movement. And, and the second part that we keep running into that was obvious early uh, in your book here in the, with the history is that the infighting, um, one of the, one of the things that, and, and so I want to, I want to take that infighting thing and I want to, I want to address one of the things in your conclusion that, that I, I want to offer a little bit of pushback. And, and, and so in that is that, uh, part of the infighting had to do with, um, losing focus. Okay. Um, what, what was the big picture? Uh, I, I think 
too many people went down too many rabbit trails. And every time you go down a rabbit trail, it's just another splinter group or another, uh, I disagree. And for whatever reason, we've got uh, in Alberta being, I would say, predominantly a bunch of conservative, independently minded people that when you don't agree with me, then screw you, Michael, I'm out of here. You're an idiot. Right. Mm -hmm. And likewise, uh, the, the attitude would come back. And so, uh, and, and that's because we keep losing focus of the big picture. And, and so if we can keep the focus, Alberta separation, I've made the argument before because I've had people ask me, um, what does Alberta separation look like? My response back is, let's fight about that as Albertans once we're separated. If, if we can all agree that separation is the best thing for Alberta, then let's do that. And then, because I'm just a guy, well, like, I, could, I could come up with my own idea as far as, mm -hmm. as uh, you know, I think a benevolent dictatorship with me at the top would be fantastic. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just a guy. It's just one yeah. opinion, yeah. right? But what that looks like is entirely up to Albertans, and that's what we have to focus on. In your book, you said, I'll paraphrase, that, um, we need to give people a vision as far as what an independent Alberta could look like. So it's, it, you, you said nation building. And, and while I agree, I, th I think it's to some degree, I, I, I like it, but it is just another opportunity for splinter groups to go off on their own and lose and lose the big picture. What's your response to that? Like, I think for the most part, you're right. I mean, I think the idea of having a vision, though, is something very general, something more along the, along the lines of what you're talking about, because I get really frustrated, you know, when I'm here, a separatist talking, and they start arguing over oh, which currency we're going to have, yeah. or where, where, which capital city will we have, or what we're going <laughs> to name the country. And I'm thinking, uh, this, this is like really, really premature, you know, and some people get, you know, are very concerned about these issues, but but they're like, they're down the road issues. Like they're, I don't even know why people would worry about where the capital city is going to be because yeah. we're not even anywhere close to, you know, building the movement, you know, we got to have to have things, we have to prioritize, you know, what do we need to do now? Well, we don't need to, to determine now what the capital city is going to be or which yeah. currency we're going to use. That's something down the road. So I, I like definitely um, there is too many opportunities for these different rabbit trails that people can get off on. It, and that's a real problem. There's actually, I just want to mention one other thing that's kind of related to this in terms of the division and the people going in different directions. I've, this is a result of, of a reflection that I've done in the meantime on the kind of divisions that happen. It seems to me that, you know, when the separatist movement starts to rise up, the people that come forward, you have like alpha males and alpha females. They're the ones who step forward, who, who want to make things happen. And that's just, that's just human nature. You've got yeah. a particular kind of people. And those are the, also the kind of people, many of them are like self-made people. They've, yeah. they've done tremendous things in their own lives and they're, 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 they've been successful doing things themselves. And so they're used to doing things themselves. And so when they get into some of these, you know, organizations where there's other people who are also very successful, it's hard for them each get along necessarily because they're they're all they're so used to doing it themselves and they're very successful at it and so it's I, i'm just introducing that as a kind of a human nature kind of explanation for what's going on it's not it's not that there's anything particularly wrong with these people but they are successful and they've been successful by doing it themselves yeah. and so that's what they're used to that's kind of the pattern in their life and it's worked for them and that's they think they can build a political movement that way and so um if they have an idea of how it should be done and someone else of the same mindset has a different idea it's hard for them to work together 
you know, because they, they, they both are very capable people and they've both been very successful. And so they both, they think they can do that. And so, so I think this is kind of what plays into it. It's not necessarily any kind of bad motives or, or even going in the wrong direction. It's just, a, they're just so used to doing things a certain way and that's the way they're going to continue to do it. And so that kind of, that's kind of a human nature way of why there's so many divisions because you've got these good people, like they're not bad people, they're good people and they want to do what's right, but it's just hard for them to adjust to a different way of doing it when they're so successful doing something else in the past. I hope that makes sense. It, it does. Um, and that's, I guess, where um, that strong leader coming back to the two sides of the same coin thing, where a strong leader mm -hmm. who's respected mm -hmm. yeah. uh, needs to come in and, and, and help everybody keep their eye on the ball. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and you know what? It just acknowledge that. I, I think for the most part, we can acknowledge that we're going to have if Alberta separation ever happens, we can have a hell of a fight once once separation have happened. Then scrap it out as far as where where the capital city is going to be. They're all all the bureaucrats are in Edmonton. Keep them there. They call it Redmond yeah, yeah. for a reason. Why we don't want them down here in the south. You you have them, um, but uh, you know like things like that need to be hammered out. Need to be figured out. But we we can't don't put the cart before the horse. Yeah. We need yep. to get out first and then, and then uh, deal with all that stuff later. Um, man, where to go? Okay. So uh, I just before, before I let you go, I want, I want you to answer the question of what's next, but I had another question before that. That's now, that's now escaping me as usual. There goes that rabbit trail I was talking about. <laughs> um, yeah. It, why don't we answer what's next? And if I can remember my other question, so what, what do we do? Oh, I know what it was. Sorry. Before you get to that, it seems to be, it seems to me that that separation is largely a center right position. Um, my question is how do we get those center left on board? That's actually kind of a difficult question because um, I think separatism is naturally more of a right side of the spectrum issue because the left wing view is more of a, the government can do it kind of perspective. And generally speaking this, I mean, this wouldn't apply for all leftists, but generally speaking, leftists are centralists. They think, they think that power would be better centralized in the higher up government because those are the people who can make the right decisions for us. Um, I mean, that's kind of the basically socialist perspective is you want the government to control everything. So I think it's much more natural for even an Alberta socialist to want the power to be in Ottawa because then Ottawa can, you know, do what's best for everything, for everybody, um, and can have the biggest national control. And I mean, generally speaking, leftists are want to resist the American, you know, capitalist system and things like that. And you can do that much better at the federal level than you can at the provincial level. So I, I think on the one hand, I think it's just generally more left wing to look to a centralized federal government as the good guys more more than um, to defend your own provincial interests because it's just as a inherently part of the socialist centralist ideal um the other thing that would the other thing is like i i've advocated actually that the separatist movement should be more of a right of center um um movement anyway um, i'm not as interested in the left because i think if we want alberta to be a truly free um independent country, we need to rely on more right of center ideas. If we're going to try to appeal to the left, um, I think we're going to actually 
um, the kind of country we would end up with might be just not much different from Canada when, when we've created an independent Western Canada. And like the reason I've, I've thought about that more recently is that I've been at some separatist meetings, like not recently, but in, in the last few years, where there'd be young people there saying, well, how do we get young people attracted to the separatist movement? And they would say, oh, well, when we get all that money back from Ottawa that we're not sending to Ottawa, let's offer these people free university tuition, free dental care. You know what I mean? So so the, their, their view was the way to win the left left uh, spectrum in Alberta is to offer greater welfare programs than are available currently in, you know, in the, in the federal in the, in Canada. And uh, that really turns me off. I mean, I, I'm not interested in separatism if it means a more, a more socialistic Alberta. I think for me, that's kind of the opposite of what we're trying to achieve. Uh, Alberta and as an independent Alberta or an independent Western Canada would be better, uh, a more limited government, um, country, country with a smaller government, lower taxes, more individual freedom. That's the kind of independent Western Canada I'm interested in. And because of that, I don't see how we could get that message to appeal to the left, if that makes sense. Well, let me, let me throw you this idea. Uh, by the way, the, the country you just explained sounds mm -hmm. beautiful. Like, where do I sign <laughs> up? That being said, um, one, of the, one of the areas in which I try to appeal, I, I, I'm, I'm a firefighter by trade. Uh, and, uh, I, I won't say which fire department, but, uh, um, they, they, some, for some reason don't like to be associated with me at all. So, and that's fine. <laughs> um, but, uh, so therefore I, I belong to a firefighter union, um, in my whole adult life, whether it was part of the ATA as a teacher or now part of the IAFF as, as a firefighter, I have been a public servant slash union person. Um, that uh, gets gets broad brushed with with you know the lefties, and it's for good reason because there's a number of lefties in both those unions, and so what I've tried to do, not being a lefty myself, is in order to appeal to uh, their leftist side, I try to bring up the fact that um, Alberta sends. $51 billion every year to Ottawa, of which we get about $10 billion, give or take, in actual federal services, meaning we lose approximately $40, $41 billion a year total in all taxes, everything, all money that leaves Alberta and goes to Ottawa. We are a net loss of $40 billion a year. Our uh, current deficit is, I don't even what, I, I've stopped looking because I just want to throw up when I see it. Um, but we're running on average, I guess, 20 to $23 billion deficit every year. And that uh, what could we do, you know, as, as a firefighter, I know what political figure just the other day, was it Paul Hinman? I don't remember which one. I don't remember if it was Paul Hinman or who it was, but somebody with a little bit of clothes. Oh, is the uh, MLA from uh, Medicine Hat. Drew Barnes? Uh, Drew Barnes um, floated the idea that uh, MLA should all take a 20% pay cut in order to show the civil service that uh, we need to, we need to dial it back too. I'll be honest, Michael, uh, I'm not interested in a 20% pay cut for what I do. Um, that, but the fact of the matter is if, if we had our $41 billion back from Ottawa, um, we wouldn't have to, we wouldn't even have to be looking at this, right? We'd have, we'd have more than enough money to, to fund all of our bloated social services. And, and I would argue that they are bloated. Um, but that being said, 
that, that, that's the kind of approach I take. So mm -hmm. when I'm talking to union people going, there's a big push to have, uh, to have all civil servants take a substantial pay cut. Um, do you realize what an independent Alberta could do if we weren't sending that kind of money to Ottawa? What do you say to that? Well, actually, you know, that's a line of thinking that I hadn't really considered before. I haven't been involved, you know, in working for the government or, um, but like it, what you say makes, makes considerable sense to me, actually. But that would be, I would uh, make a distinction, though, between the kind of thing you're talking about and more the ideological left. Like, yeah. there's a lot okay. of people in the public service, their unions are left-wing and stuff, but they're not necessarily really personally committed to, to left-wing ideology. I mean, it's more of a, you know... Um, more of a jobs and benefit kind of uh, perspective. You know, they want to be treated fairly. They want to be paid fairly. So I would see that kind of somewhat differently from appealing to the left generally in an ide ideological sense, more it's just appealing to, you know, a worker's self-interest. You know, uh, you know, yeah, I could see that appealing to unions in particular, that, you know, the unions, their demands are much more reasonable in the context of, of an independent Alberta where the money is available. Right. So, yeah, oh, I can see where you're getting that. So that's where I'm trying to uh, to lead my lefty friends down the down the garden path here, but uh, it's it's tough going. Uh, I, I'm sure you've had a number of conversations with people with regards to separation. Uh, I was just in a uh, brief argument this morning on uh, Facebook before before we hooked up. Um, you know, people like uh, Jade Lavalley here that that says uh, separate to do what? So he's responding to a a, a Twitter poll in which it looks like. I mean, there was only just under a thousand people responding, but numbers look good. And, and that aligns up with, with the, the couple that before I left Twitter, that, that sinkhole of leftist despair, um, that, that I, I put up a, uh, a similar um, uh, poll in, in which I've got, I got almost 7,000 people to respond. And when you add up the, what I would call hard separatists and soft separatist vote, it was at almost 80%. And I was raw, raw. And this one looks similar. It looks like um, at least 90% are open to the idea. Uh, mm -hmm. But the first, the very first uh, comment from Jade Lavalley was separate to do what? We'd still be landlocked. Good luck getting a pipeline through a different country. So dumb. And I've talked to other people where, where when separation is brought up, they, they just dismiss it outright as, and I had one guy tell me, dumbest idea they've ever heard now i'm thinking that that he was speaking hyperbolically because surely he's heard dumber i mean we've all heard dumber yeah but, i mean do you run into that sort of attitude like i see like in my small circle of friends are it's mostly right-wing people so i don't that way but i do see that a lot i you know i follow the news a lot and some of the see some of the social media posts you know yeah what is the why would you separate like so what but for me like in the big picture like we really have two choices. We can stay in Canada as it is, and we know what the future holds. The federal government is going to shut down our oil industry gradually, and yep. Alberta is going to become impoverished. Yep. So we can stay with what we have, and we can become impoverished and live in poverty and have our children move away somewhere else. That's one option. The other option is to try for something better. And that something better would be an independent Alberta or an independent Western Canada. So for me, those are like, when you look at the things at the big picture, those are the two options we have. It's not so much separate for what, and accept that we want to separate. We want a better life, a better future for ourselves and for our children. And we won't get that in Canada because they're going to shut us down. 
So why would we do that? Why wouldn't we fight back? Like, I don't understand people who say, well, let's just, let's just take it as is, you know, we're going to be shut down and do nothing about it. I, I just don't buy that at all. I think Albertans, most Albertans are say, let's fight back. Let's do something differently. And the, the way to fight back is to pursue independence. I really believe that. I've had uh, discussions with people. I, I remember one lady, she's, uh, she's the wife of uh, one of my best friends. So I've got to tread carefully. Um, but, but she is Canadian first. You know, and, and I, I said to her, she, she comes from a family, she's got a family of five. And when you, when you crunch the numbers, um, and I told her this, that do you realize that your family pays in taxes uh, $5,000 per head in your household more than the average of anywhere else? So your family is getting heavily taxed federally as compared to anywhere else in the country. Does that not bother you? And her answer was shocking to me. No, it doesn't bother me. We're a big family. And wow. the fact that we're, that, that uh, this is the way it is, is, uh, well, welcome to being part of a family. And I just shook my head because this is beyond frustrating in that I'm an Albertan. Um, and I think this goes back to the education a bit of, of people not having a clue of how uh, confederation works, how our country is supposed to work. I've made the argument, and I won't get into it here, but I have made the argument more than once that Canada is not a country, not in its truest sense what makes up a country, more than just a definition of here's some boundaries and here's a government. Outside that, we're not a country. And so um, nobody understands the division of powers. No one understands that Alberta, each province, has their own rights and responsibilities that we ourselves are in charge of, that we take care of, and that that's, that that makes us different than BC. It makes us different than Ontario. It makes us different than Quebec. And that when Ottawa, and by the way, I'm getting to my point of why everyone should be a separatist, is, uh, I don't wanna use Latin terms that are incorrect, but I wanna say prima facie, first things on its face. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've heard the argument more than once going, all we have to do is get those liberal bums out of Ottawa and we'll be just fine. And I would agree to that. Yeah. But partially, maybe it's a mm -hmm, maybe. Mm -hmm. solid. Maybe that might be the case. Mm -hmm. My assertion would be that I'm a separatist and I am a hardcore separatist now because on its face, my presupposition is why should Ottawa have anything to do with the prosperity of Alberta, whether good or bad? Why should Ottawa, why should federal people 3,000 miles away have anything to do with how we run our business here? Mm -hmm. I, I'm still waiting to hear an answer for that one. Yeah, well, actually, um, what you said there about getting the liberal bums out and things be better, there's a sense like having the conservatives in is better than having the liberals in, but the liberals will be coming back again. Yeah. So we're going to be like, we can get the conser the liberals out now, and then in a few years, we're going to be facing the same problem again when they get reelected. So the conservatives do make it better on a relative sense, but it just postpones the, we're, the problem we're going to have to face again. And every time the liberals come in, we're going to be facing the same problem again and again. So the only way to solve that, even if the conservatives do make it better, you know, by getting the liberals out, we're still going to face the problem again. So we might yep. as well just deal with it once and for all, make our own country, and then we don't have to deal with that problem on a regular basis, on a, uh, on a recurring basis. Exactly. So, you know, uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't see why Ottawa should be the one to dictate whether we're going to be prosperous here or not. Like, it, it makes no sense to me. Um, last question for you before I let you go. Uh, what's next? Like, one of the big questions I get from people uh, that know I'm a separatist is, well, what do we do? So, and it's a good question because I've heard everything from from uh, C.W. Alexander, who I've been following closely. Um, he's he's got a he's got a push for a Republic of Alberta, which which I actually think in in theory it's it's a great idea. I I do think that it's probably um, too different for most people to wrap their heads around, mm -hmm. and so I don't know how I, I don't know how uh, um, le not legitimate, but is it going to catch on? I don't think it's going to catch on because it's just, it's so different from how we do things here. Basically it's a get rid of all parties system, which mm -hmm. I, I kind of like the idea, get rid of the parties. But um, I, I, I think that's too much for most people. Dave Bjorkman has been, been excellent in sending out videos and keeping people up to date, but um, I'm still, I've got listeners going, when's Dave going to tell us what to do? Like, mm -hmm. what do we do next? Uh, they're asking me, and I'm like, apparently I didn't even know the history of the movement. Why, why are you asking me? I'm figuring this stuff out as we go. So I'm asking you, what do we do? What's the next logical step? Like, I guess um, there's, there's different levels to that question in a sense, like as an individual level or as a movement. And um, like, I can't give a really clear, like hard and fast answer because part of it depends on people's individual circumstances. Different people can do different things. Um, like there are the leadership people that can come out and, you know, who have a, a also already have a circle of influence and they can work in their circle of influence to, you know, um, increase support for separatism. There's people without that, that, that um, maybe they can, um, you know, talk to their MLAs or if they want to, you know, join up one of the political parties that's advocating for independence. I mean, the, the worst thing to do, I think, is just to go on Facebook and make comments all the time. You know, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but if you spend lots and lots of time doing that rather than something else, like it's not going to, you know, build the movement. If you know what the I mean. The return on investment's not very good. So like talking to people or like joining an organization that can give you guidance into, you know, what, um, you know, going to the meetings, meeting people, what, what to do next in terms of organizing constituency associations and things like getting involved in, in whatever, like a particular individual, what they're comfortable doing and what their skill set is. They can find, you know, they, if they can get involved in that way, like I say, rather than just talking about it or, or, or something like that. Um, if, if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind putting in a, a plug. If someone wants to know the background to it, um, there is, my book would be available. It's available at a website called merchantship.ca. That's actually a small business in Didsbury, a small family business. Okay. Uh, they sell mostly homeschooling information, but they also carry my books there. And so they're the main online distributor of my Alberta separatism book. So merchantship.ca. For those who want to you know, get the background to it, because it's often helpful if you're part of a movement, it's often helpful to know the background to it, who's been in there, what they've done. Um, so you can, you know, you can see where your place is in the movement in terms of maybe reading that, or at least knowing the, the names and the organizations and to see the patterns that have happened, maybe to avoid the mistakes that have made, you know, been made before, you know, that kind of thing. So, so it's hard to give a hard and fast, you know, what should be done for any particular individual, but and, and like I say, because part of the incentive for the separatist movement are these external events, the, you know, what the Ottawa is doing, you know, someone can get involved because they're angry today and the next day Ottawa changes their policy and then they're not interested anymore. You know, that, that's a real problem for the movement. So 
you know, partly depends on how, if someone's really committed, then they've got to, you know, be in there for the long haul. Even if tomorrow the carbon tax was canceled, they've got to remain involved. Sorry, I think my internet's going down again here. That's, uh, you're, Oops, sorry about that. Did I cut out again? No, you're okay. It was, it was a little, uh, oh, okay. what do you call that? Uh, Choppy? Ma Max headroomish for, there for a second, but, uh, <laughs> all the, all the older people will get that reference. Uh, uh, all the young ones would be going, who's Max Hedrum? I don't get it. Uh, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I am a huge fan. If you are interested in Alberta separation, you need to read this book. This, is, this should be mandatory reading for all separatists because if you don't, history is repeating itself because morons like me didn't know all of the work that's already been done and you can avoid making all the same dumb mistakes that we've done in the past. Mr. Wagner, I want to thank you for your time. This has been, uh, this has been great. Um, maybe uh, as, as things go further down the road, if I can think of any more intelligent questions, I'll, uh, I'll be more than happy to have you on the show again and uh, keep fighting the good fight. And uh, again, folks, Michael Wagner, you can find him. Say that again. Where do we find your material? Merchantship.ca. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a privilege. You bet. Take care. Thanks. You too. Yeah. All right. There you go, folks. Um, Michael Wagner. Uh, what a find he was. And uh, so there's the show for today. Uh, if you have any comments, you know where to find me. Uh, Parlor, uh, Rumble, wherever else. Email text you know where to find me thanks folks take care